Psalm chapter 96, go ahead and grab your Bibles, get them out, turn to that section. We're gonna, we're gonna stand in just a moment reading uh, that portion of God's Word. It's 13 verses, so we can read through it, then we can back up and walk through it. We've got plenty of time today. Uh, and we're gonna close today with another song. And so we will end our service by doing what the text tells us to do. Psalm chapter 96. This is a hymn celebrating the God who reigns over all creation. As we walk through this text, as we walk through this, this hymn, Psalm chapter 96, our main idea of our text is that the, we should worship the Lord who created, past tense, who reigns, present tense, and who will judge, future tense, the world. And so the Lord that we worship, the Lord that we are here reading about today, the Lord that we serve is the Lord who created all that we see. He is the Lord who currently reigns, even though sometimes it may not seem like it in the chaotic world in which we live. He is in charge. He is currently reigning. And he is the Lord that will come to judge. Now, this psalm has been called the missionary psalm, which is why I kind of placed it right after missions conference. This psalm is gonna challenge us to declare, to tell, to sing, to go out into the world and declare in verse 10, the Lord reigns. That's our message to the world. That's our message to everyone. That is the gospel message is that the Lord reigns. So there's your main idea. And then it's gonna break down in this way. We've got three points today. First in verses one through six, declare the greatness of the creator. Now in that section, you're gonna see a call to praise and then you're gonna see the cause for that praise. So that's what you're gonna see in all three of these sections, is that there's a call to praise him, there's a call to worship, and then there's the reason for it. So the call to praise, and then the cause for that praise. So declare the greatness of the creator, the one who created all things. The second section, our second point, seven through 10, is going to be to ascribe glory to the Lord who reigns, and then the third point is gonna be rejoice for the coming righteous judge. We'll walk through all three of those. But we start by reading our text. Psalm chapter 96, this is God's word. So as we read it, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word if you are able. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor, in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar 
and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Dear Lord, today, would you help my words to be tied to your text? Would you help what we hear to come from you? Lord, would your spirit speak to us? Lord, would you allow us to, to grow closer to you today? Would you allow our affections to be changed from the things that may be drawing us away from you to you? Lord, would you allow us to have a passion to worship you, to tell of your greatness, to declare your glory, to tell the nations that the Lord reigns? In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. All right, Psalm chapter 96 one through six, our first point here as we look at this is to declare the greatness of the creator. So what we're gonna see is a series of threes. So you see right off the bat, and I think I even missed one of them when I was reading the text because I took my eyes off of it, but verse one, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord. So repetition there of three times, sing to the Lord. So let's, let's put a comma right quick and let's say that singing is not worship in and of itself. Like worship is more than just singing. So when we say the word worship, we even have a degree here called a worship degree. You can worship the Lord through singing, but you also worship the Lord through telling, through declaring, through living your life, through using your gifts. All of our life is worship. We worship the Lord when we do athletics, when we go to speech and debate. Everything that we do is an, is an attitude and a place of worship to the Lord. So let's not get in our minds that just singing is worship because we sing as worship, but then we listen to the word and we preach the word as worship. We do the word and use our gifts as worship as well. And so it says, sing to the Lord. So there is an emphasis here on the actual singing. Now, some of you are incredibly gifted at singing and some of us are not. But we are called to sing to the Lord. And we're called to sing a new song. You wanna know what that new song is? I have absolutely no idea. It could be a new song, meaning that somebody has just been converted to the faith and all of a sudden they're singing a new song rather than all the other songs they used to sing. It could be that they used to sing songs to other gods, but now they're singing songs to the one true God. And so it's a new song. It could be that somebody just wrote a new psalm and they decided to sing it and it's a new psalm this Sunday. It could be there's a new course out or a new praise hymn and they're singing a new song. We don't know, we're not told, but they're to sing a new song. And then it says, sing to the Lord, you'll notice the Lord is used no less than 11 times in these 13 verses. And it's right here, back to back to back, three different times. Sing to the Lord. We don't sing for each other. We sing to the Lord. And I'm really excited because at the end of this, it says the trees of the forest will sing for joy. I might be able to sing better than the trees of the forest. Maybe, maybe. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Now, sing to the Lord three times. A new song, all of the earth, all of us have to sing to the Lord. All of us are commanded to sing to the Lord. And then we're to sing to the Lord and then we get three commands here. Bless, tell, and declare. So what are we supposed to do here? This is our call to worship, our call to praise, our call to singing. Bless his name. And then it says, tell of his salvation. Now this is interesting. Because where it says, tell of his salvation, if you look at the Septuagint, 
it actually uses the word uangelizo, which is translated in our New Testament to preach the gospel. And so basically what it's saying here is when we tell of his salvation, we are preaching the gospel. We are talking about the gospel. We are required then and commanded by this psalm to preach the word, to preach the gospel, to do this. And how often are we to do this? It tells us right here, day to day, wherever we go, as we are going, whatever we're doing, we're to tell of his salvation from day to day. We are to declare the glory where? Among the nations, this is why it's called the missionary psalm. It's because what is missions? Missions is to go out into all the earth and declare the glory of the Lord. His marvelous works where? Among all the people. Notice how this is a global psalm. We're to sing all of the earth. We're to declare his glory among the nations. We are to talk about his marvelous works among all the people. And then we get the cause for worship. So we are called to it. Now we get the cause for it. You'll see far listed here, F-O-R, in verse four and in verse five. Why do we do this? For he is great. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great repeated there for emphasis here. He is to be feared above all gods. Now, fear, we understand that in the wisdom context of fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This might strike some as odd, but as we understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, he is to be feared above all gods, little g gods. And then in verse five, it says, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Now, don't miss this. All the other gods, little g, all the other religions, they're not respected in this verse. In fact, there's a play on words here that takes place. If you were to look at what the ESV study Bible says about this, it says these mighty beings are mighty useless. The play on words is Elohim and Elohim, which in the Hebrew, an idol means a no thing. A nothing. Hey, have you ever seen a scarecrow in a field? And have you ever seen birds on the scarecrow in the field resting on top of this thing that's supposed to scare them? That's a worthless scarecrow, right? And what the Bible is saying here is that all these gods that we create, you take the trees that God created and you carve them down and you create an idol and you bow down before the idol that you've created, it's worthless. You take, as the children of Israel did, the gold and they throw it into the fire and as he would say, out popped the calf. The calf is a worthless idol. They bowed down before a calf. Could the calf save them? Could the calf provide manna for them? Could the calf give them water out of a rock? Could the calf destroy all of the armies that were coming? No, they made it. It sits there. It does nothing. It has no ears. It has no power. It has no life. And sometimes in our culture especially, and we should be respectful of people, but sometimes in our culture, we get this, this idea that we need to respect all religions equally, that there's more than one way to get to God, that you can have an inclusivistic society, that you can meld all these things together. But in this text, we see absolutely no respect for false religions. For great is the Lord. He's the one greatly to be praised. For he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord, he made the heavens. Notice the four words that's used to describe him here. 
Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. All right. I've got a question for you. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? On the count of three, shout out your answer. One, two, three. Oh, okay. All right, got it. Which is the best NFL football team right now? <laughs> Somebody said the Browns. Come on now. <laughs> All right, on the count of three, shout it out. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. What's the best coffee that you can have? On the count of three, shout it out. Ready? One, two, three. Y'all were louder on that one than the other two. All right. What's the best subject taught at Cedarville? On the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, I got it. Yep. Okay, now here's my question. How many of you did not shout for one of those questions? One of them you skipped. You just didn't. Why did you skip it? Somebody said, I don't like football or whatever it was. I, don't, I, I could care less. Now, I really like football, so this is not me. I'm putting words in your mouth. I could care less about football. I don't have a favorite team. So I didn't declare an allegiance to any particular team when I shouted it out. Coffee? Stuff tastes horrible. I'm putting words in your mouth. See? I like coffee. I like coffee. I'm not a connoisseur, though. Y'all aren't going to like me anyway. I'm a curious guy. I like cheap coffee, so. I know. I, yeah. But how many of you really don't like coffee? So did you shout out a favorite coffee? Because you declare no allegiance to a particular coffee. Now, there's some of you who may be drinking coffee right now who you know exactly what you like and you will argue with everybody because it is the only, how many of you do like the pour over things where you roast your own beans and you do, anybody in here? There are a couple of you, I see hands, yes. You will declare all the right ways to make coffee because you are extremely passionate about your coffee. Do you see where I'm going with this? All of us should be passionate about our major. So we're gonna assume everybody declared something at that particular point in time, right? But here's the deal. How often is it in a conversation that somebody says something against our God and we just sit there? How often is it in a conversation that we don't wanna be that person or we don't wanna be ridiculed or we don't wanna be perceived as hostile or whatever the reason may be and we just keep our mouth shut and we don't say anything? Why is it that we don't share our faith with others is it because we're scared? Is it because we really don't believe it? Is it because we're not thinking about the fact there's an eternal heaven and an eternal hell? Why is it that we don't declare the glory of the Lord? Here what we are told is to sing, to bless, to tell, and to declare. Now, if in your mind you're thinking, 
well, I'm gonna worship God in my own way. Mine is a private religion and I'm not gonna say anything or do anything publicly. All of these words mean that you have to vocalize your faith. You have to declare something. I can't declare something to you if I never open my mouth. I can't sing something to you if I never make words or noises or things come out of my mouth. This is not a private thing that we can do. This is public. We have to not be ashamed of our God and recognize that he is the creator of all things. He is the one who reigns and he is the one who's coming to judge and there's a world that needs to know that. They need to know that there was a creator and he made it all, that he is currently the God who reigns and that one day every one of us will stand before him as judge and what we have done with Jesus will determine where we spend eternity. And one day when they're standing before him as judge, they're either gonna be really happy that we told them or they're gonna wonder why we didn't. This is the missionary declaration. Look at what it says here in these next verses, seven through 10, it's point number two. I've got it listed as ascribe glory to the Lord who reigns. So this is an attempt in this point to combine what we see in seven and eight with what we see in 10. So we have the repetition, ascribe to the Lord who? Oh, families of the people. That's just another way of saying all the earth. Everybody. Ascribe to the Lord what? Glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, repetition there, twice, back to back, glory, do his name. Our Lord is worthy of us singing loudly and singing proudly and worshiping him through song. Our Lord is worthy of us declaring to others in a compassionate way, but with firm conviction that there is one true God and one way to get to heaven and one truth and everything else to the lies of the devil trying to deceive you and that we understand that God, Jesus, is the only way. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Fear, now tremble. Now worship him in the splendor of his holiness. Now notice here too, we're singing, we're telling, we're declaring, we're praising, we're scribing. Worship is not a passive act. When we worship the Lord, we don't worship the Lord to get, we worship the Lord to give. Let me say that again. When we worship the Lord, we don't worship the Lord to get. We worship the Lord to give. We bring to the Lord our offerings. We bring to the Lord our praise. We bring to the Lord our words. We don't go to church on Sunday morning with a cup to get it filled up so that we can make it through the rest of the week. We don't sit by passively enjoying what they're giving us without giving anything in return. We are not to be consumers in the local church, consuming what they're putting out. We are to be producers in the local church, going to local churches to serve God and to serve others. Worship is active. So we ascribe to the Lord three times. So there's a song. I think the title of it is Ascribe or Ascribe to the Lord or something. We'll know because we're gonna sing it at the end of this. Because you have to sing the song that's written after the chapter. Like the, Ascribe to the Lord is glory. So after we end today, after we finish with this, walking through this text, we're gonna sing this song, Ascribe. It's new to some of you. Some of you will remember it. You'll pick it up. Y'all are all great at that. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering 
and come into his courts. Now, this is to everybody. This is singing out, bring an offering and come into his courts. Come worship. This is a foreshadowing of the fact that everybody's gonna be welcomed into the courts of the Lord. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now, notice here what I, I see here, tremble before him. I've already seen fear the Lord. So I also, in my mind, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, this is telling us we're to worship the Lord with excellence. You know, we don't just wake up and give God our leftovers. All throughout the Old Testament, we see this. You bring the offerings that are unblemished. There's a whole lot of work that has to go through the sacrifices in the temple. When people treat the Ark of the Covenant in a cavalier fashion, stick out their hand to steady the Ark, they pay the price of their lives for it. When we are to bring our worship, whether that worship is through declaration or words or through music, we are to do so and to do it with excellence. And I would say to all of you, these words sing. We can't underestimate the importance of music in our lives. And when you get to be my age, you'll be amazed that you can remember songs that you sang when you were young, but you can't remember the verse you're trying to memorize this week. How many of you remember songs from years ago that you really wish you could forget, but they're just stuck in your head and you can't get them out? So here's my challenge to all of you who are poets, all of you who like to write, all of you who are talented in music, write songs that are gonna stick in people's heads. I've got one writer. I'm sitting here thinking of all the songs stuck in my head, wondering if I wanna mention any of them. I don't know that I do, but... She, you guys get it, right? Let's be a generation that writes and plays and sings and leads worship and leads music in such a way that is done with excellence. You think about music. So if I were to speak the words of Handel's Messiah, would any of you remember it? Who knows? But if you sing them, if you hear them played with excellence, what does it make you wanna do? Stand up and praise the Lord. If you've got gifts in those areas, which I don't, so it's easy for me to say, but if you've got gifts in those areas, refine those gifts to use them with excellence for the Lord's glory. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Here's verse 10. This is it. This is what we do. What are we to do? Say. Command. Say among the nations. What do we say? The Lord reigns. What do we say? What do we say? All right, look at your neighbor because your neighbor didn't get it. Tell your neighbor, the Lord reigns. All right, Cedarville, what do we declare? Who's in charge? Think about what this is telling us. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. We wonder sometimes who's actually in charge. We wonder when we look to Washington if anybody's in charge. And I'm just, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we pray for all of our leaders even when they can't seem to get their act together. We pray for them all. We want them to serve well. We pray for the prosperity of our nations and our cities around us. But they're not in charge. They may think they are. It's just like Nebuchadnezzar off the back of the balcony. Look at everything I've built. 
And God says, really, you built it? Let's go eat grass for a few years. See how you like that. It's good grass. We'll give you some fescue or some whatever you want. Here you go. Just eat grass. And then he raises them back up to be in charge again, which is the greater miracle. Who's in charge? The Lord is. So when everything's falling apart with your life or your syllabus or that exam or the end of this, remember, who's in charge? The Lord is. When something doesn't happen in the way you want it to happen, who's in charge? The Lord's still in charge. You didn't fail a test and all of a sudden the Lord's not on his throne anymore. You didn't decide that you weren't good at math so you couldn't be an engineer and all of a sudden the Lord's no longer in charge of your life. The Lord's still in charge of all of this. He is the sovereign God. The Lord reigns. So when we go on these mission trips, when we're talking to friends at Wright State or University of Dayton, what do we tell them? The Lord reigns. There is a God who is in charge. He is the creator God. He is the current reigning God. And he is a God who is coming to judge. And if they say you're crazy, they're probably right. But for other reasons, you just tell them the Lord reigns. It's my obligation as your friend to tell you there's a God. And he's in charge. And I care about you. So I want you to know there's a God and he's in charge. We move to the last point. The last point here, 11 through 13. Rejoice for the coming righteous judge. Look at what it says. Rejoice. Well, where did I get that word from? Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Now, we sang the song earlier, let all of creation. Look at what it says here. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. I don't even know how that works. It's not a metaphor I'm comfortable usually hearing. It's not something that is typical that I think of a field exalting the Lord. When I think of a field, I typically think of weeds or around here, beans and corn or wheat or something of that nature. Even the fields are gonna declare how great the Lord is. It reminds me in the New Testament, if we won't cry out, then even the rocks will cry out. So if we don't do our job, God doesn't have to have us, but he has chosen to use us. It's our job to go and tell. This is saying the heavens, all of the stars are gonna be glad. All of the earth is gonna rejoice. The sea is gonna roar in all that fills it. The fields are gonna ex exult and everything in it. And then look at this, all the trees of the forest sing for joy. The trees in the forest that are cut down, they hit the ground. They make a noise, whether anybody's there or not. They shave the trees. They cut the trees up. They take them to the shop. And in the shop, somebody carves the tree and creates an idol of something. And a family takes this idol and puts it on their mantle inside their house. And they bow down and worship this idol carved by another human being out of a vision in a human mind from a tree that was in a forest. And this psalm is telling us that those trees, one day, well, they're gonna sing for joy. And they're gonna say, I am not an idol to be worshiped. What were you thinking? Or what were you smoking? <laughs> because it makes no sense. And the sad thing is there are people in parts of this world that even today are bowing down to things that filthy, sinful hands have made as though they are the God. And here our text tells us 
Those trees of the forest, they're gonna sing for joy. I, I know this is language that is not literal, but I can't wait to see what a new creation one day looks like. A creation with no more sin, no more sin nature in all of us, tempting us to do what's wrong, but where we can truly praise and worship the God in spirit and in truth. These trees sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, in case we didn't get it, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. This is not a judge that can be bribed. This is not a judge that will look the other way. This is a judge that knows all and sees all. This is a judge that will judge in righteousness and in faithfulness. And notice right back up to verse 10, at the end of it, it says he will judge the people with equity. So we are here the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I just wanna take a moment and pause and say to all of you, friends, there is no place for racism or discrimination against gender or race of any kind at Cedarville University. It's not an option. The Bible clearly tells us men and women, all of us were created in the image of God. We are all sinners before a holy God and the ground at the foot of the cross is perfectly level. After we are saved, we are brothers and sisters in Christ in the same family And so I just wanna say to you, we've got a God that's gonna judge with equity and righteousness and faithfulness. And friends, we should live in community in such a way that we value men and that we value women and that we value people from every nation and we value people of all ethnicities, that we are all created in the image of God and that we are all sinners before holy God and that every last one of us is in need of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. And that's the place we need to be. It says in the beginning, sing a new song. I told you I have no clue what the new song is. But I do know how to read the book of Revelation. And it tells us in chapter five that they sing a new song. You know what their song was? Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open the seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. So here are your application points. What do we do to take away from this? Friends, if we're gonna have true worship, if we're gonna sing, if we're gonna say, if we're gonna tell, if we're gonna declare, if we're gonna say the Lord reigns, then true worship of the one true God leads to a missionary witness all throughout the nations. Whether we're in the Miami Valley, whether we're in another state of the United States, or whether we're in a nation on this globe, true worship leads to missionary witness. Friends, we are theological exclusivists. We believe there's one way to get to heaven, that one way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. If we are gonna be theological exclusivists and say that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, we have to be passionate evangelists. We have no other option other than to be inconsistent. If we genuinely believe Jesus is the only way, 
then the only kind and caring thing we can do to others is to tell them that Jesus is the only way and that there is no other way. King Jesus alone is God and worthy of praise by everyone and everything everywhere. So what do we do when we go on short-term mission trips? What do we do when we go to help churches that are being planted? What do we do when we share the gospel wherever we go? We tell them the Lord reigns. There is a loving, gracious, merciful, caring God who created you and died to redeem you and who is coming again to judge you. So number four here, worship is not private. True worship of God leads to vocal declaration about God. Sing, say, tell, declare. It's active. It's what we do in response. So today, we're gonna respond by singing a song and ascribing to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Friends, we worship the Lord who created who reigns, and who will judge the world. Dear Lord, would you help us to live this out? Would you help us just to have a confidence that you are God? Lord, when all of the world presses around us, help us to be firm in our faith and resolute in our beliefs, Lord, that you are the one true God, that you are the creator, you are the reigner, you are the sustainer, and you are the coming judge. Lord, help us to be able to take joy at the fact that you are coming to judge because you are a righteous judge, a faithful judge, a merciful judge, and you will judge everyone with equity. Father, you know all. One day you will make all things new and make all things right. And so, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. So would you help us to do that and to do it with excellence even now as we ascribe to you the glory due your name. Amen.